Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog Rose and Jamie are two best friends And they love sex and the city And they couldn't help but wonder Do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, Cheese, So many dudes. Every single dude. dude All the dudes And we couldn't help but wonder With Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't Couldn't Help Help But Wonder. Wonder. A podcast where we talk about sex in the city and how it relates to to us. us. Hi, Jamie Lee. Hi, Rose Cerno. How are you? How's it going? It's going good. Um, Who the heck were you this week? Who was I? I, mm, maybe a little bit of a, maybe a little bit of a Charlotte. I feel like Charlotte has really bad anxiety and I've had the worst anxiety this week. Um, Like really, really bad, like, like panicky feelings. Mm, I've that. never had a panic attack, but I feel like it's like the, sim- like, I actually don't know. I was going to say it's symptoms of a panic attack. I actually don't know because I've never Feels like had the one. ramp up almost, like if things got maybe two yeah, times like worse. if it, exactly, exactly. Yeah, if it got more intense, I think I would be like on the floor. But um yeah, I've just felt like really panicky and I I it's worse in the morning. It sort of dissipates hmm. towards the end of the day. But um yeah, I've just been like I don't know, I'm just anxious about like just everything. I just feel anxious about everything. I'm like trying to figure out I mean, I'm not really trying. I'm waiting to hear if our show's renewed. And I'm sort of in this weird spot with, I mean, everyone who has a show on Netflix has to deal with this. But, like, it basically is all about the algorithm and, like, are people binging it? And how many people are binging it? And what is the level of engagement? And it's just all this stuff where I'm like, I hope people are doing that. Like, I, everyone on Instagram is so, like, beyond lovely and supportive. So... That's like a nice indicator, I guess. But then you're like, am I living in a bubble? Like, because you know what I mean? Like people writing nice messages. Like, is that actually indicative of like how well it's doing? Like, I actually have no idea. Netflix will never disclose how well a show is doing to the creators. Like, they just don't do that. They won't even tell you like anything. They won't be like, it's really popular in this country. Like, they just don't give you any information. They're really, really close to the vest about that. So mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's just kind of like a weird unknown. I can totally understand because it's like you worked so hard to put this thing out and now it's out. And then besides like press and your friends, you're just like, well, what 
it's like, well, what is happening? Yeah, what's happening? Yeah. And like, we're also, I feel like our whole lives have been so used to like, you know, if it wasn't our own thing, hearing about how shows are doing based on rating, like you would hear, you'd be like, oh, it's that show's doing well. Or like that show's not doing well. Like it, it, there's no, there's no concept of that with Netflix. They, the only way you would know that maybe if you're in the top 10, but that's so limited because their top 10, a lot of their top 10s are not new things. They're like legally blonde, you know? And you're like, okay, like I'm competing with like a famous movie. It's just like, it's like, this is a new show. And then I'm up against things that are like tried and true and old that they've acquired. So it's just kind of like hard to know. Do you feel like, um, just vulnerable? Cause it's this thing you put a lot of work into kind of. Yeah. And I think like, I guess this year has been sort of, I mean, I guess it's been challenging personally so a, a little bit, but like, I know it sounds kind of harsh because it's like, well, you got separated. That's got to be hard. But like, actually, the separation was like pretty smooth, to be honest. And I like, also feel like when I don't mean to interrupt, would you? Which no, I completely did. Ple- oh, please interrupt. I'm <laughs> just like, rambling. Your relationship was much more profound and long term than my last one. But I actually personally feel that the official breakup is the easiest part. Agreed. I feel like it's the time before when you're yes, like, what do I right. do? How do I do? like for me personally? When my last relationship ended, I felt relief because all the pain was ramping up to the breakup for me. No, you're that's an excellent point. And you're 100 percent right. That is also my experience. Like, yeah, the over is the over is actually over. That part's over. You know, there are some lingering feelings that you have to sort through. But like, I'm very fortunate that like Dan and I are on really good terms. And like we talked earlier and we're like joking and laughing like we're just not. We're not a statistic in that way of like. And you're really lucky you didn't have kids because that makes things fucking ugly. Exactly. And like, I guess this year so far has been like kind of just smooth. Like, I don't know. I mean, I know it's a pandemic, so it sounds fucked up to say that. But like, you know, it's just been kind of steady, I guess. And like, I don't know. So I, yeah, I just kind of feel like, I don't know. And now it's like, ah, there's this thing that I do really care about and. The good news is I'm not embarrassed by it. I think that is huge. If you put something out with your face and and people like it, like people are actually like, oh, I love this show. I hope there are more episodes. I'm like, well, I guess that's all you can do. It's vulnerable. It's a really vulnerable position to be in. I mean, the thing about life is none of us have control at any moment. Like anything could literally come out of the sky. But for a lot of times we're not aware of that. And then something happens like a pandemic or like for me, yep. if I'm in a plane and there's turbulence, I immediately like absolutely panic. Oh, same. But the truth is we actually are vulnerable to crazy things happening at any moment, but right. we're not aware of it until something happens. For example, it's very vulnerable. I think as an artist, no matter what to put out anything ever, period, full stop. Doesn't matter what it is. Agreed. Um, and there's like an intense amount of, euphoria and anxiety and excitement and terror and you know just when you release something into the world and the more people that see it I could imagine possibly the more those feelings would increase yes definitely yeah tons of sense and I actually think you're really right about Charlotte I think Charlotte actually probably does have like an anxiety disorder I think she (laughs) does I think she she would do well on some kind of either at least like maybe a meditation retreat if not full-on medication yeah it's a it's a kind of a good shade to her character because you could see it just being this like bouncy pretty girl who's type a but like 
I'm type A as well. And I'm like very proud of being type A, <laughs> but uh, my house is so clean. Everything's so organized. My schedule's gorgeous. Um, <laughs> but there's like another shade to that, which can be a little controlling and intense for sure. No, yeah. Type A. I, yeah. Type A. It's, I like saying I like hearing you say that you like your type A-ness because I also think type A is like it's incredible. Really, it is. It's like a superpower. I think if you look at like a group of 100 successful people, I would say probably 96 of them are type A. I'm sorry. I don't think I'm type A. I'm not organized. Well, what is type A actually? I don't know actually. I think I, it's something a. I've never had a great yeah, go ahead, grasp. Sky. No, no, I feel the same way. Where it's like I've never had a, an amazing grasp on it. Like I feel like it always was synonymous with just like controlling or something. Yeah, yeah, but then you're like, and like, but also controlling in a good way. Like on top of your shit is type A. Yeah, there's the go getter quality to it. Right. For me, it's like every morning I open a Google Doc and I write down the things that I have to do. And when I finish the thing and cross it out, I'm like, oh, oh, my God, that's impressive. Is that I type A? That you do that. <laughs> but see, that just to me is like organ. Like, OK, so if you're an organized person, are you immediately type A? I just don't think that's true. Yeah, I, again, I really don't know. I have no good. If grasp only on there it. was a search engine that would. There is. We'll never. No, no, we'll never know. We're, we'll, we'll die we'll, not. We don't. Knowing. We don't have the. Resources well, that's the thing, though, because I I have looked before, and even their definitions are are vague. It's just mostly yeah. like people who are driven, who are organized, uh, which I I feel like most people have some level of organization. Like I, not even all people, Skylar. I know some people that are pretty disorganized. Totally, but. But like even even outside of your own abilities, there are things that organize your life, whether or not you're like a passive person That's or not. True. Like, like I know, I feel like I'm I'm some I I'm organized in that I don't. F- well, I feel no, like Schmidt really... on New Girls Type A. It's like your room is clean, things are organized. You prefer uh-huh. a plan. Like there's great things about being Type B too, like being spontaneous and go mm-hmm. with the flow and like, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I decided to go on a road trip. Like that's not Type A, but that's a wonderful- I think I may be. I think I may be. I'm yeah. I think I'm, I'm like a. treating it. I'm treating it like a blood type. I'm like, I'm O negative. <laughs> yeah, I think you're AB. I think the Bs have a lot to offer too, especially to type A's. Okay. I feel like no one is talking about type B. No one cares about the Bs. It's only all the A's. The A's get the glory. The A's the marry like, the Bs a lot, I think. You think so? Yeah, because they need each other. The okay. Bs are too laid back to talk about themselves. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But type Ugh. Bs really need type As because type Bs are like showed up to the wedding without a tie with like one shoe late. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right, 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 right. And type A had the foresight to bring an extra shoe. She was like, I have purse. six yeah. different one shoes in my I always, bag. Yeah, yeah. I always keep a spare right <laughs> I shoe. I always keep a spare right shoe. You know what? I think a type A is like a Jewish mother who has snacks in her bag. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. like and for it's just like planner, a planner, planner. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Well, anyways, Rose Cerno, who who were you this week? It's a really good question. Um, I would say I'm, I would say I'm like a Carrie Moran, Miranda blend when both of them are like at their hormonal. Like mm. once in a while, Carrie has a meltdown and and Miranda can be kooky. I have like. Yeah. TMI, if anyone's squeamish about periods, I just have a period that like it's attacking you punches me to the ground. Like, I can't believe I don't bleed out every month. I'm pretty thin and I'm just like losing quarts of blood. So (laughs) I'm like, so every month I have this like really crazy period and I'm not on birth control. I used to be on it for years, like like 16 years and it always did me well. And then I had a lung surgery like 
five or seven years ago. I don't even remember. And you have to get off anything that could be like a blood thinner or clot your blood. So I had to get off birth control for the surgery. Yeah. And then when I got over the surgery, probably, I mean, obviously I can't predict the future, but I've been on Lexapro for almost 20 years and I don't know if I'll ever get off of it. And so I didn't get back on birth control because I already feel like I don't have full control over getting off Lexapro. I feel a little bit like it's sort of something I can't really get off of. And so because I can get off of birth control and I can live without it, it's like doesn't make any sense. But I just have this dichotomy in my head where I'd like to be reliant on as few pills as possible. Mm. So I haven't gotten back on birth control, even though I'm sure it would chill this out. Mm. But instead, I just like ride the tiger for like five days a month. But I mean, truly on Sunday when I got it, I was just in like, I was in such a bad mood that I really didn't even want to leave my house because I really mm. didn't want like, I didn't want to talk on the phone. I didn't want to see anyone. Yeah. And I uh, didn't really get much work done. I feel fine today. I'm like on the other end of it now. But it really takes over for about three days to the point where like if I had a normal job, I'd really have to manage that. I feel like we should have, I think we should have period leave. I, do I really too. do. You should be able to work at home. Monthly period leave. Yeah. Call it whatever like euphemism you need to call it because whatever people are like weird about periods, but like they shouldn't be. The fact that we go to work when we're dealing with that is it's so crazy that that's been normalized because there have been and pretty much every month, honestly, I, I very much relate to what you're saying. Like it really knocks me on my ass. Like there have been months where I'm like, I feel like fucking garbage. Like it's like the Moderna second shot. Like it's yeah. that you're like, I have chills. I feel like I have the flu. Maybe there's it's different because your stomach also hurts a lot and the cramps are really bad. And you have to I don't know about you, but like I always have to time my leave or my mitol the second I feel a cramp coming on, because if I wait it doesn't backlog well. It won't like work in reverse to negate the pain. It's like you have to get in front of the pain. So I've gotten like very good at being like ah, up and like taking two and then taking two. Like it's just I, so much a leave is consumed during period time. And, yeah, yeah, I agree. It fucking I, sucks. And I, I agree with you. I, I kind of feel like because I was in such a bad mood that people that I like normally love to be around and really enjoy, I was like Doesn't having matter. negative thoughts about them. And I was like, yeah. wow, I'm like yeah. inventing reasons to be annoyed with these people that I sure. love. Like it was sure. so crazy. And I, that's why I do think you're right. I think, I think it should be red tent and you should just be like taking a time out. And you know, and here's the thing, if you're on birth control for terrible periods, I totally support it. But there is like this radical feminist inside of me that's like, we should just be able to just while out and be really terrible for a couple of days and just not like try and sanitize that. And that, that, that sounds bad because obviously if you're in tons of pain, you should do whatever you have to do. But I yeah. guess, I guess I should only speak for me personally. It's like, I don't mind having a couple of bad days. Cause I'm like, this is my natural hormonal cycle. This mm. is. Yeah. Well, know? when people say regulate your period, I'm like, I'm kind of regular, but like I'm totally regular. You are like to the day. I know when I'm getting it without but like, control. Is it like every ninth of the month kind of thing? Or is no, it every like this like weekend fifth I'm gonna get the 10th? Okay. I'm like, this is four weeks from the last time. So it'll be within these few days. Uh-huh. What uh-huh about, are uh-huh. you on birth control? No, I haven't been on birth control since college. When I was on birth control, it made me such a fucking asshole. I was like mad at my boyfriend all the time. Oh, wow. Like 
It just made me so irritable. How did you not get pregnant all these years? How did I not get pregnant? Oh, no. just like, I don't know, pulling Porn? out. It's pretty that was effective. It? Really? Yeah. Wow. Worked for me. Wow. I have another friend like that. That's amazing. I'd be so, because most of my life- I think pre-cum is a myth. I mean, I don't think it's a myth. <laughs> Dr. Happens, Drew over I, here. <laughs> okay. I just want to say, I think pre-cum is real. I think it does come out. I just don't know if it's like full on cum. I think it's kind of like semi cum. It's cum light. It's come light. I just don't think it has the same sperm. In my professional doctoral opinion, it doesn't have the same amount of sperm. And Maybe, Jamie's also my... really anxious right now because she's just <laughs> get finishing up med school. She's tired. She's it's just it's it. a lot. I'm juggling a lot, you guys. But yeah, no, I think that I'm. You know, look. Well, pregnancy's crazy. It's I'm like not here to. I'm not. I'm not here to be an expert on pre-cum. But that's my. If I had a gut feeling about it, it's whatever. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, you are among a handful of people I know who are all in their mid to late 30s who have been pulling out for decades and have not gotten pregnant. But then I do know people that got pregnant like immediately when they stopped using condoms and birth control, you know, like. Right. So it's a real toss up. I think I'd be a little nervous. Um, yeah, to, to I mean, I wouldn't recommend it. But also for me, I just. The birth control was such a fucking nightmare that I was like, no, I, I just yeah. cannot live like this. Even on the light one, even like ortho low or whatever, I was like, this makes me a monster. I don't I like mean, this at weirdly, all. My birth control was like, unfortunately, I'm like a pig and shit when it comes to pills. I'm so good on pills. I never have side effects. Mm. I, they like work every time. My birth control is called seasonal and I took it every mm. three months. So I got four so periods French. a year. Yeah, it was <laughs> okay. seasonal or maybe it was called seasonal. Um, I thought it was seasonal. You just added seasonal? Yeah, I don't know why. I'm like Madonna. It's probably seasonal. It sounds nicer. I feel nicer. like it's seasonal. They're not going to call it like a real word. You know what, Jamie? I think I had a bit of a Lindsay Lohan moment there. Did you? Where I just made a European accent for no reason. I like uh, seasonal, I but either way, it did me right. But I think I'm just kind of like, well, I'm already like a Lexapro baby. Maybe I can just not take any other things. I get that. I get that. But I, I really like, I always am, my, my cycle just like keeps moving up or something. Like, I don't know. It's like, it start, it was the same. You mean it's getting shorter? Month. Like, no, like, I don't know. It just like is moving up in the calendar. Like it was the 16th. <laughs> then it was the 12th. Then it was the 10th. Then it was the 9th this week. Like this time it was like the fifth. I'm like, what Surprise! is going on? It just like keeps going back. But I mean, it is regular, but it's like regular in this way where it's, kind of shifting around the calendar. Anyway. She's feisty. She is feisty. She's coming early. She's Skylar, any thoughts on periods, birth control, psychosis? Um, Kristen has an IUD. Oh, yeah. She was on normal birth control that. back in college and like that ended up being an issue and then we switched. I mean, she switched to an IUD and and has had it change and like big advocate for it like it is she did have like a lot of pain with it with getting it switched yeah the initial insertion was not as bad um taking it out i also heard it's not pleasant i yet that i that i know less about but when she got it when she got a change it was like a a hectic time but like Mm -hmm. yeah iud has been great for she like doesn't get a period for the most part um skylar would you be on male male birth control if it was fda approved yeah i think it's so wild that it's fucking crazy that it's not a it's it's a very bizarre thing to because it's it's one of the i mean there are all sorts of like it's disgusting 
Yeah. I mean, there are all sorts of fucked up. I mean, obviously you all know this, but there's so many fucked up ways in which just like my experience as a man is so much easier when it comes to this stuff. Just like de facto, which is just yeah weird to me. <laughs> like, it's they like, were doing these birth control. When I used to write about like women's issues um, for magazines, I was doing the story about male birth control and they did a study with some male birth control that was highly effective, but it had some side effects for men. Like, you know, a little bit of nausea or headaches. And they were like, no. And they just right. stopped the study. They're like, well, we can't give <laughs> men like, too extreme. side effects. It's like, what? <laughs> like, my so true. Our whole life is side effects. Our Everything, whole life I, is yeah. like inconvenient pain. Yeah. Yes, truly. On that note, let's get in. We are, so we got so many amazing listener questions that we're doing a second grab bag. I keep saying grab bag. I mean, mail bag. It's we're doing diff. a second mailbag episode um so we're gonna get to some more questions that you guys submitted about the show and um yeah so rose you want to start us off with a question yeah i'd love to um i'm gonna start with i'm gonna start with this one because as a journalist i can relate to it this is from dr underscore jacob five uh, he or she says, hello, CBW squad. I saw your post asking for our questions and there's something that made me wonder many times. So Carrie writes her column loosely around the subject of the episode, and it's a great way to narrate the story. Sometimes, though, they show her column as very literal, like when Big reads her book and sees how he has hurt Carrie in the past or when the politician breaks up with her because of her column and she exposes him. There are some instances that she writes about her friends and their problems. So my question is, how do you think her column looks like? And what would you do if one of your close friends started writing about the things you share with them? I think this is such a good question because... Such a good question. They never really address the core four. The core four, I mean, her friends never say... Hey, Carrie, you just wrote about my divorce. You just wrote about my infertility. You just wrote about the fact that my boyfriend left me. Like, right. like they really don't bring that up. And it doesn't come up that much when her relationships, too, because in real life, if this if this really were a person, she would have boyfriends that would say, I mean, Jamie, I think you and I can both speak to this you even more because I don't do it anymore. But this comes up in stand-up too when people are like, hey, oh, yeah. there's a line here. You're not talking about our sex life. You're not talking about my family and my childhood. Like, it's really unrealistic to me as somebody who had that job that none of her boyfriends would have a conversation with her about like the line in the sand or oversharing or this is what I'm comfortable with. And the fact that none of her friends have had it either, I think it's a really good question because I, I think it's a glaring uh, omission. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm just agreeing with everything you said, because I I think it's a really big part of being a writer. It's something I definitely dealt with when I was writing my book. You know, the people in your orbit have, you know, they do play a part in the story and it's hard to you can only talk about your own experience with things so far. And then you do get to a point where you're like, this is going to hurt my relationships. <laughs> Well, yeah, but also it's like you can only, you know, I feel like that was always the note is like, just, you know, talk about yourself. Keep it about yourself. Don't talk about other people. Keep it about yourself. And it's like, right, but other people in your life inform your experience. So it's actually very hard to not talk about the people in your life as a writer. Well, if you're writing a memoir type thing or a first person thing, there's no way that. Right. And like, I think also, I guess in Carrie's case, I mean, ideally, Carrie should just maybe be anonymous and 
like, you know, be like a dear Carrie or whatever and keep her last name out of it and then, you know, give fake names to the people she's talking about. Like, but of course she she's like kind of an egomaniac. So of course she's like, I'm Carrie Bradshaw, written by Carrie Bradshaw, you know? So yeah, I think the anonymity would help. And I also think if we really want to do kind of a deep dive here, I do think that if she were anonymous, then she could maybe write a little more riskier. risque. Yeah, because I feel like she kind of scales back. I'm not saying that's why, because obviously that's she's not a real person we're talking about. But but yeah, um, I do think maybe if she had that freedom, she would maybe go a little deeper with some of her topics. Yeah, and I think to the question, I think if if this question was talked about more in the writer's room, I actually think they could milk a lot more drama over totally. the whole series. Because totally. if Carrie was writing about her friends without asking permission, or sometimes even like, for example, if something happened that she knew would be such a juicy column, but maybe Charlotte didn't want her to publish it, and she was like struggling over whether to do something that she knows would like get a lot of clicks, but be bad for her relationship. That's something that people that write in first person deal with all the time. Like you better believe that David Sedaris had major falling out and, fa- and problems with his family. It's like, if you cho- choose to go down memoir, stand up, first person comedic really essays, hard. if you go real, if you go deep, like it can really have an effect on your actual relationship. Like there's also something kind of horrifying about like, I had this perspective after I wrote my book. I wish I had had it sooner. But if you think about like reading, being like reading your name in a thing, like even if it was a, even if it was glowing, even if it was like a positive review or something, when you're reading about yourself, there's already like, oh God, oh God, oh God. Like there's something so nerve wracking. So to imagine like it being like someone wrote about you in a negative way or wrote about like something personal that happened to you, you'd just be like, oh fuck, it's really hard to see that in print. It's It's especially hard to see that in print. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is another layer, I think. Yeah. I think it's a really interesting thing that they decided to It's like worse than shit talking or something. It's like being shit talked to your face or something. It's also kind of interesting that Carrie has never, and I, I think that you would relate to this. I think Jamie is like, for somebody whose job it is to write about herself, it's kind of amazing that in six seasons, she never had a vulnerability hangover or like, should I have published that? Or like, right. now people know this about me. No, I had never. all the time when I oh, was, yeah. I was like, oh my God, literally anyone can like type my name and like read about all this stuff. I can't believe I published that. I mean, nothing that I'm like regretting now, but um, it's really, really vulnerable to do the kind of work she does. I mean, literally yes. talking about her sex and dating life, yes. people that broke up with her and broke her heart. And when she cheats on people, it's like in real life, unless you're really like on your own trip, you'd have a little bit of fear at some point about publishing something. Oh yeah. And the, I love the term vulnerability hangover. I mean, I feel like my whole life is a vulnerability hangover. <laughs> well, I you do a lot of vulnerable things. You just released a show every with your face day, on Every day, every day. I'm like, oh fuck, wait, what did I say? Oh fuck, wait, what did I do? Like every fucking day. Truly. I, I, if I were Carrie Bradshaw, I would fall apart. I was thinking about that with this podcast. I was like, oh my God, I've probably said so many personal things and shared so many things. Like in some ways, I mean, I really... I, my goal is to be like as successful as I can as a writer, but I don't necessarily want people to like know my face and stuff. And Mm -hmm. I would be so scared if somebody like went through this and I don't know, it's like, it's just like talking freely is scary. Well, podcasts in general. I mean, yeah, it's like, 
podcasts are, yeah, they're very vulnerable. I mean, but but also think of all the great things that have come out of people like vulnerability culture is so important. Ultimately, I really do think it is. It makes people feel so much less alone. And like, honestly, too, if you come from a place of like, like I kind of dealt with this recently, this is I don't I'm kind of taking it a different direction than what the question is. But but recently uh, it was sort of on the table of like, how do I talk about being separated when I have a show called The Wedding Coach? And do I talk about it? And is it better to just kind of leave it out or in interviews you know, with the press? You mean? Yeah. Yeah. And um, Netflix was really supportive of it. And they were like, you should like just be honest, like, don't don't worry about that. And I agreed. I was like, that's the route I want to take. But I've definitely had moments in doing it where I'm like, oh, God, I'm really like laying it all out there and it just feels like really naked and scary vulnerable yeah and then but then you realize though like but the alternative is to like pretend kind of not well yeah or like kind of not have a message like what's your point like what well, really if you're just gonna like give people like what you think they want to hear it's like how fucking boring is that like that ultimately that is there's something so just unappealing about that to me. And also I think, yeah, I, I think that I also think if you can get to a place where you're comfortable being vulnerable, it doesn't feel as scary after a while. I agree. Like you can and kind of just I, be that person. I also think that to your point about like revealing something that's like imperfect. If, if you think about the characters that you love when you read books or you watch good movies and films, it's, it's the like, or even, friendships or relationships with people or lovers it's like yeah it's when people say like yeah I was I actually used to be really fat as a kid it's like when people say things that are like embarrassing it's like that's when your heart like loves them a hundred percent it's I agree with that it's like it's like if you can't really see any cracks it's really unrelatable absolutely I think also for a really long time for me I was terrified of showing cracks like I really was like Oh, that's my nightmare. And then I, I totally agree with you. I did hit a point where I was like, well, that's you don't like that in other people. So why do you want it for yourself? Like what what is making you attracted to this as a personality when like that's not who your friends are? Your friends don't do that. Yeah, You're not connecting that. with people over like their facade, you know? <laughs> well, actually, that was. Uh, I love the bullshit they spin. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I love how they're like so unbroken. It's yeah. Like, no, come on. Yeah, I, you know, being in 12 step, I, I hear a lot of people's most vulnerable stories and most vulnerable feelings. And I, I swear to God, it just makes you it just makes you feel so much more compassionate and empathetic. There's no part of me that I'm listening to somebody talk about their struggles where I'm like, what a dork. It's always <laughs> yeah. like, man, I wish I could just hug you right now. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah. Um, okay, well, let's uh, let's another do another one. question. Love okay. that question, Dr. Jacobs. Oh, yes. Thank you, Dr. Jacob. Five. Great question. Yeah. Um, okay, let me see. Let me see. Mm, this is a fun one. Um, so Joe Dighton asks, I couldn't help but wonder, would Carrie and Alexander's relationship have had a better chance of working if she stayed in New York until his Paris exhibit officially opened? I feel like a big part of their issue stemmed from her being left to wander Paris solo while he was working all of the time. Thoughts, Jamie? Um, I say no. I think it was just. I mean, definitely no. But I was trying to think of 
why why it was such a no. But yes, to me, go ahead. definitely going to Paris sped up the breakup, but the problems they were having in America followed them to Paris. So even if they stayed in America, eventually she would have been made his groupie and she would have ditched her friends to go do things with him. She would have missed out on opportunities. Like maybe it wouldn't have been so incredibly stark. I I think it's like when couples break up in COVID and you're like, oh, it was COVID. It's like, no, there were other things and COVID helped Mm -hmm. it. I think they would have broken up anyways, but Paris was COVID. It just made it happen faster. Yeah. I also, yes. One time I took a trip. I was with a boyfriend and at the time we were living in New York and he had to fly out to Los Angeles and I went with him and it was like the loneliest fucking four days of my life. Like I was just like sitting around LA and I was like, I don't. And also I think like, you know, I was like, Oh, someday I want to like be in LA and like have to be in LA and have a reason to be in LA and just felt so like just had no purpose. And he was so busy and it was just the worst. It really was the worst. So I guess I had sort of a a mini truncated version of what Carrie went through in Paris. Did you guys break up after? Pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, he it was actually kind of similar. He wasn't really compassionate about how like empty and lonely I was feeling. And that's terrible. I also but I also get it because it's like he's busy, like not to not to be like. Alexander was in the right and Carrie was wrong. It's not that. It's just that I do understand because I have also been in the position where I'm really busy and then someone that I'm with is less busy and they are kind of like waiting around. And that's just, I think that dynamic in general can be tough. I think if you are super loving about it and being like, I'm of a course. monster for the next four days, I'm obsessed with you. I'm yeah. slamming this thing as soon as this is over. As long as you're like extremely loving and considerate. Yes, about and communi- and communicative. Exactly. And also in a relationship, that's gonna happen on both sides. Like some people are busy and have a thing going on and the other person's kind of sitting around and then but the table. I also can think turn if you tell and, someone, like, hey, yeah, I'm gonna be working in the Bahamas for four days. I'm not gonna be available, but do you wanna come? Yes. But you just have to be cool doing your own. Yes. Thing. And Alexander did not. He did no. not do that. He he was like, what? I'm around. I'm around. You're like, you're not, man. You're really busy. And then also, also, the oh, man, the thing that was really like sort of like the straw that broke the camel's back for me was him being like having a meltdown in the hotel room and then being like, will you come with me, Carrie? And then like he gets to the exhibit and he leaves her and he like drops her hand and doesn't talk to her. I think that to me is like, that was really, that was it. It's like he wants everyone to sort of revolve around him and no one's, uh, no one's feelings really matter that much to him. I do. I agree with everything you just said. The only thing I will add is Carrie was definitely blindsided for sure when she came to Paris and he made no time for her. And that is totally shitty of him. But I think if if we're being really realistic and fair here, I don't know what she was expecting. Like, like not from him, but even from her. Like, if you quit your job and you don't have yep. children, what do you think every day is going to look like? Right. Like, what you're just going to shop every day and you're just going to eat dinner. Every That's what Miranda, like, Miranda literally said. That. She's like, what are you going to do? Eat croissant? Like, she said <laughs> that line. And I remember being like, exactly. Like, what are you going to do? It's not like she's 70 and she's retired and she's like, I can't wait to just play canasta. It's like, what was her thought that they were going to do every day? Also, if we're really breaking this down now that we're really getting into it. I mean, like, Carrie, you live in New York City. Like, yes, Paris is beautiful. It's far. I get it. But like, it's not. Like, we're worlds apart. Like, 
what would it be like to live in Paris? It's like, bitch, you it's live similar. in New York City. It's yeah. similar. Like cafe cultures. Yes. Yes. You know what coffee sitting outside a restaurant is You know what a great like. restaurant is like with yes, good fashion. You know, yes. Stuff. You get, you know, bikes, you know, baguettes, yes. you know, museums. Like you, you have you all know of couture. that here. Yes. Yeah. It's You're all really here. right. So it's a little like. Yeah. It's I not think like she's in a, a small town or something. No. And like, look. Yeah, the idea of like moving to Paris is I, more beautiful, yes. But that, there are some moments where Carrie does act like I mean, I guess the whole show is like you know, it, there's a fantasy element and like everyone's playing into like how fabulous New York is from the perspective of, of almost not knowing New York. Like they write it like they've never been. They write it like it's like an ode to to this fabulous city that hopefully one day we get to navigate or something. And so I get it from the perspective of like, it does track that the characters or that Carrie would still be like emphatic about Paris as if she were a tourist and like had never been anywhere in her life and wasn't worldly. But girl, you live in New York city. Like, you know what you, you kind of know what it's going to be like in Paris. That's a really good point. I I concur with that. Um, anyway, this one I think is interesting from Amanda okay, Baller. She says, uh, can you comment on Stanford's role in the show? I feel like at the beginning he was presented as a key Carrie friend and then he sort of comes and goes as a plot device. And then in the movie, does he even have lines? Hashtag justice for Stanford. Oh, yeah. It's a great question. Yeah, they really did present him as a major friend in the beginning. And then... You know, the thing that always like astounds me and I I don't want to throw Michael Patrick King under the bus because I think there's a lot of internalized self-hate among any minority group, including gay people. And I felt like Stanford's portrayal of a gay man is a little self-hating. It's not a very it's like Harry's portrayal as a Jewish guy. It's sort of like, yes, they are similar. They are. I think. Yeah, all the bad traits. It kind of to me, I think that they're shown. I think what they do is they reinforce that a leading person is white, straight, thin, probably blonde and small. And anything besides that is like very dorky and unappealing. Yeah, that's right. And it's interesting that it was created by a gay man. But again, this was in the late 90s where I there was absolutely no mainstream acceptance of gay culture, which if you are not accepted into the mainstream culture, before you become liberated, you're going to just wish you were and think that you're not as good because that's what the mainstream culture tells you. Like, oh, you're gay. You're not as good as a straight person. You're black. You should be white. I mean, that's what the message is you're receiving. So I think it's like a lot of internalized homophobia and like, oh, people probably called him, you know, the F word growing up and he probably felt like yeah. a sissy. And it's there's just like a lot of like rage on like, OK, you want a sissy? Here's a sissy. Stanford, you know, like. Right, right. Even the way they portray him like a dorky loser. Right. And they also like with him and Marcus, it's like Marcus is this Adonis who like doesn't really say anything like at all passion or chemistry. And it's just kind of like, yeah, I mean, Marcus even is like a little like, what is that? I mean, I get it. He's a boyfriend, but you're like, (laughs) yeah, he's literally just like a sex doll. You're like, what does this guy do? Like, yeah, it's interesting. It, It, Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, you already have four people. It's not that they're not going to interact with other people in the episodes, but like I could see an argument for like, you don't really need Stanford. Like if you were writing that, you could be like the men that they date are kind of going to be the other characters. 
Jones. Like, it's interesting that they planted another regular or semi-regular on the show. Well, think about it. If you had four women who were yeah. each stunning, were dressed incredibly and had these really fun traits, and then you had a character that was like the sap, like if they had <laughs> cast Mateo Lane or Joel Kim Booster or some like sexy, fashionable, funny, fabulous John Early, like then you wouldn't be able to resist him. But they created a character that's a drip. Like, yes, he's a drip. They're fun and exciting and he's not. So it's like, why? Would right. You he's, he's a little bit of an Eeyore, actually. Totally. Yeah. It's always like we pity him. He's like a victim. We do pity him. Wow. That's a breakthrough. You're right. We pity Stanford. Yeah. He's always kind of like always. Nebbish. He's all yeah. he's never doing well, like except for when he's with Marcus. Towards the end, and he has that Hamptons house. You're kind of like, this guy's like, doesn't seem really that happy or like solid. No, the queer representation is really self-hating because then even, um, what's his name? Anthony. Anthony's character, he's hilarious, but it's also that like bitter. I don't think he's, I don't think Mario Cantone is unattractive, but I think he's playing into this like, I'm bitter, I'm jealous, I'm single, I'm, I'm more feminine than masculine. It's like. And the thing is, that's a totally valid type of person. It's not like that person doesn't exist. But I think considering they didn't show anything else, I, I think that you I, you could play armchair psychologist and really, you know, Michael Patrick King was born in a different time where it was not cool to be gay. You know, he seems like from what he likes to write, he's probably a little on the feminine side and he probably just has struggled with a lot of self-hatred. And I think it's clear in the gay characters. Yeah. That's my armchair analysis. I love that. All right. Should we do one more? Yeah. Choose one, James. Okay. Let's say, let's say. Oh, here's a fun one. Good. Fuck, Mary kill. Big Aiden Burger. Ooh, Jamie. Oh, man. You're not going to like this. I think I might do the same (laughs) one as you. You're not going to like this. I think I'm going to do the same as you. You're not going to like this. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. I think we're going to do the same thing. Okay. I'm going to... Mm. It's tough. Okay, okay, okay. I know it. I know it. I'm okay. gonna kill Burger. I'm gonna fuck Big, and I'm gonna marry Aiden. You know what? I'm really torn because. Okay, okay let's talk it through. <laughs> I definitely am killing Burger. Yeah, he's got to go. He's got to go. I mean, he's the insecurity go. thing. He's I got to go back to the Hamptons. There is no. Yeah, he's got. He's got to be the hipster that goes to the Hamptons for no reason. Yeah. Besides, even the Carrie and him not having good sex in the beginning, I just feel like he's so sweaty and insecure that he would just be bad at sex in general. And also, yeah. he just sucks. But between the two guys, in terms of fuck or marry, I'm torn because I do love a naturey outdoors guy, but. I think Aiden is such a corny version of that. Like he's got like a receding hairline and long skinny hair and like wears like tight bell bottoms. I don't know. I just Rose, like- I hate to tell you you would end up with an Aiden. You would you I mean you you would end up with an Aiden. Like that is your type. You would be the second he's like, Rose, come to my cabin, you'd be like Absolutely. Come see fish with like, me, babe. I have, yeah. yeah, come see fish with me, babe. But you'd be like, I, no problem. I'm bringing all of my hiking gear. I'm going to raid an REI and like, I'm fucking doing it. You would. You love the outdoors. I do you love would. the outdoors. I just think You would get so... past the hair. You could shave. You know what? You, you know how there's like white guys that kind of try and talk like they're black, like hip hop, like guys from like the Bay Area and stuff. I think that Aiden is like a guy who tries to talk like 
naturey, Woodland. like yeah, yeah, girl. Like I don't know. I think I have to marry Big and kill Aiden. No, I'm wow. marrying Big and fucking Aiden. Okay, I'm divorcing Big. We're not going to stay together, but I feel like at least Big. No, it'll be you, it'll be a first marriage. It's like, and then you'll learn, but then you'll learn from the shitty marriage with Big, and then you might end up with Aiden. I'm not. Aiden I think is, he might be your second Aiden husband. Is like, a, is like a cosplay of a hippie. It's like too much. Okay, Rose, but you're not really giving him the benefit of the doubt because remember when he had his little Aiden Renaissance and he got the bar and he cut his hair. Actually, you're right. I'm switching. I'm marrying. I'm marrying Aiden with short hair, and I love long hair on guys. I just thought it looked a little like background extra. No, he looked like meatloaf. Yeah, no, it was not good. No, let me just for the record say I love outdoors. You guys with long hair. I just didn't like his version. But you're right. I am choosing him post bar, post short hair. Um, wait, I want to hear what Skylar would fuck Mary. Oh, kill yeah. Out of those. Well, yeah. Okay. That's oh, great. those three. I yeah. mean, yeah. Um, I feel like I would, I'm more into marrying Burger. Uh, Burger. Yeah. Cause Burger also just kind of feels like He's literary. <laughs> just, yeah. It just feels like a dude who I, we'd, we'd be insufferable together <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Talking about all the best books you've read. Yeah. We, yeah. We would have a book off. <laughs> yeah. Well, we explain to the readers, readers why you would choose him because Jamie and I know you very well, so that makes sense. But just the listeners are not realizing that I'm off camera dying laughing because <laughs> <laughs> Skylar and Burger would be insufferable. Oh, we would be so unfun. We we... Tell, tell, tell them why, though. Tell them why. Tell them why. But sir, well, it's like like I I know it's very much become a type. But I even had this quibble when it came up on screen. But like he he's shown reading. Um, Brief interviews with hideous men, uh, which is a David Foster Wallace book. Yeah, I I don't want to be the person who evangelized for David Foster Wallace, but I really like David Foster Wallace. I know it's not yeah. a cool thing to like. But... He's talented. That's fine. Oh, yeah, he's fine. he's very talented. Um, but I also don't push it on people. Um, yeah. But Berger and I could we we would bond over that. Or we'd also feel bad about liking him. Same aesthetic, like... you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also just like you're a book yeah. boy. Yeah, we're, I'm a book You've boy. You've got a bike on the wall. I know you're a book. Deal. You're a bookie yeah. bike boy. I'm a bookie yeah, bike you're, boy. Yeah, it's posters it's what's going to happen. I, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so who are okay. you fucking and who are you killing? Okay, who are you? Yeah, I'm very easily killing big. Big is like so. Easily. I don't see them getting along. He's a little bit like uh, frat people. Really like stress me out, and he strikes yes. me as a guy who like still wears his like frat ring or yeah, whatever. You're so right. Totally. <laughs> I'm just like. I, can't hang with also this. you guys are right i'm marrying aiden i feel bad that i even said that i would marry big <laughs> i think it's fine i think you were just trying to figure it out and also i don't i don't hate a first marriage to big i think no but you're plan. right i don't i would never be with like a fratty alpha guy come on i think you could start there and then <laughs> then you find the value of an aiden yeah from the negative space so you're fucking aiden what do you think that's going to be like sky i think it's gonna be mellow and sweet I think actually it's gonna be that's very tantric. true yeah it's it'll be... be long though you're gonna have to it's eat gonna a big be meal long. before a hundred percent yeah we're gonna be <laughs> he's gonna turn on just like an instrumental album and insist we fuck to all I of it i feel like he eats so much tabbouleh i feel like his <laughs> favorite food is tabbouleh <laughs> and like couscous i feel like his farts yeah. are intense because it's all like vegetarian restaurant farts yeah it's like seitan farts <laughs> What's the second part of the question, James? Okay, here's the next. Okay. This is, it's more. Okay, here's what. Okay, so we're going to end with this. Fuck, Mary kill for the sort of terrible guys. Fuck, Mary kill Richard Ooh. Petrovsky 
tray. Ooh, this was so love good. Love that. That was a great question. I love this question. We so love this question. Okay, so let me just say it again. We have Trey Petrovsky Richard. We know no one is fucking Trey, obviously. Well, nope. yeah, okay. what happened? Well, hold on, Rose. <laughs> okay. Hold on. That would be a barrel of fun. Okay. Um, you want me to go first? Yes, go fuck. Go first. Okay. I'll go fuck. Okay. Go fuck. Okay. <laughs> okay. I am going to. Fuck, Mary Kill Oh, God. This is hard. It's really hard. Okay. 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 I'll go. I can do it. Okay. This is. I don't know that I can do this. Okay. You go. Okay. Um, I'm going to kill Trey because mm. I can't possibly marry him or fuck him. Mm. I'm going to marry Richard and not get a prenup and just like quickly divorce him and get half of his money. Great. That's a really smart plan. And then I'm going to fuck Petrovsky and just like close my eyes and do it. Really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do we think that Petrovsky is a good lover? We've never said this. Do we think he probably is? He probably is like a dad. is really dominant. I just feel like his back would have some, like, very strange hair patches. <laughs> you know what? Actually, now that we think about Handles. it. Handles. Yeah. It would be hot because no matter what he looks like, he's going to be, like, a weird, like, be my dog and do what I tell you, which is hot, of course. You think so? I think he's Oh, see, I, I think he's going to put on, like, Moonlight Sonata. Ew, I think gross. he's going to, like, light candles. And he's definitely going to do, like... Ugh. Like Ew, kissed gross. on your body, like the little like trail. <laughs> it's like kiss trail. <laughs> well, Samantha, Samantha like knows him as like a legendary like Studio Fifty Four guy. So like the whole idea oh, of him being right. like so maybe he can fuck. Yeah, he was like a coked up eighties fucker. But the fact that he's like with such a younger woman makes me think he's kind of likes to be like in position of power, which is hot. Yeah, and also she did call him her lover, so like clearly mm-hmm. some good sex was being had if you're going to call someone a lover. Um, Okay, so I am going to... um, All right. I'm going to... Okay, here we go. I'm going to kill Petrovsky. Okay. I'm going to fuck the fucking shit out of Richard. I bet he's a... He's going to be unreal. He's going to literally like... (laughs) blow my dick off i yeah. can't wait no your eyes are gonna roll in the back no of he's gonna like he's also gonna fuck me in places where like i might die <laughs> like i feel like he would like fuck you on like like the edge of like, like a, a ledge yeah. on a rooftop and like you might go over the edge like you might plummet yeah like, totally that's part of the thrill yes he also famously is the one with the perfect dick like yeah. that's yes. just how he's introduced oh, yeah. that was a good yeah. choice jamie and then, thank you. I am going to. Oof. I am going to marry Trey Bunny. in an open relationship. Okay. I. I can. She'll, she's dying soon. I don't think she. She smokes. <laughs> poison she's Bunny. Old. She's not. Yeah, and also maybe I'll just poison her, and then Trey Get and I'll have out. a lovely open relationship. And Richard will come over while Trey's at the hospital doing the surgery, and it'll be. Great. You figured it out. That's definitely a great solution. Skyler, what like about you? Won. I feel yeah, like you I did. won this round. I, did yeah, one. I feel like that's that's very. I, yeah, I I would. I gotta kill Petrovsky. He feels like a very tough hang. Uh, <laughs> I love Skyler's hair. <laughs> I I would fuck Richard too, because again, that the whole perfect dick thing. But I, it also just seems like. Can't believe you're going to too stressful. Today. I mean, well, again, he did pitch. 
Yeah, that apartment. He also pitched the ducks. I actually have a wooden duck. I forgot about that. I have no decorating taste. You guys can see. I have a fucking spiral staircase and bubble glass behind me. Yeah, there's like a really weird poster behind Yeah, you have a massive King Kong poster. It's it's not mine, but yes. But I have no problem with it. That's the point. (laughs) You don't have a problem with it. I don't even notice it. Yeah, that apartment is wild with the breeze blocks. Actually, I kind of like this. And I'm going to say as a friend of Jamie's, she doesn't put time into her interiors. Like your face, your hair, your clothes, your body, all on point. And then your house, it's not that it was bad. It was just, it just wasn't something you cared about. It is not. I have no interest in like my surroundings. That's okay. You can just hire someone to do all that for you. But that's what I'm saying. I'd be a great tray wife because I'd be like, keep the mallards. I don't even see them. <laughs> You're like old grandma wallpaper with like a doily toilet. I'm in. Yeah. I Maybe the only thing I would a do is- A toilet with like- a skirt? With a lace skirt? <laughs> I wouldn't dream of shitting anywhere else. <laughs> or like a wooden toilet seat. I feel like he would have- Wait, Trey can't poop unless there, there's a toilet skirt. Otherwise, he has to yeah. keep it in. <laughs> Also, the only thing that I think I would have to change with Trey is I am very sensitive to like things feeling like too dark. Like I don't like a dark apartment. So I feel like if he had navy like nautical walls, I'd be like, we have to brighten it up. And I feel like it'd be a lot of like dusty grandma wallpaper. A lot of yeah, like plaid plaid wallpaper. Yeah, I feel like his his um his phone ring when you ring him is like quack quack like. He's a real goof. Yeah. yeah. Like, he's going to duck <laughs> and he, culture. And everyone thinks it's... So, yeah, he's in the duck culture. That's yeah. True. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, him uh, finding that funny tells you everything you need yeah, to know. Yeah, no, and everyone in the office is like, he's like... Like, stop yeah. it. And he'll yeah. never change his ring. He, like, thinks it's his signature ring. Yeah, he doesn't have an iPhone. And he, thinks, he has a yeah. flip phone with the quack yes. quack. Wait, can I ask a little quick unrelated question? Yes. Um... Because I just got some clothes back from the cleaners, and one of them is oh. this cute summer dress that's white with black polka dots, but there's a small okay. brown mark on it that, like, you can, you know, I, I know where it is. And I tried to ask them to bleach, and they didn't bleach it out. Do I have to basically just get rid of the dress? Like, it has a mark that will never come out. Like, would you keep a dress? Where is the, it? What's the placement? It's on the front, but there's, like, a lot of black dots, so there's a world in which you wouldn't notice it. It's not that noticeable. Do you think I should keep it? Do, when you wear it, when you wear it, do you feel dirty? I mean, it's like wearing a dress with a small stain on it. Yeah, I, I would throw it out. get rid of it. Yeah. Okay. I just that stuff like I it's just not, can't stop can't. thinking about it. I That's can't. the thing. Okay. Thanks. Okay, let's horny for it up. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, guys, final segment. Sex in the City is obviously a very horny show. So we end each episode by sharing what we are currently horny for. Rose, what are you horny for right um, now? I'm horny for this new dressing that I'm making. And it's like a crudite, you put it, I put it with crudites, um, and it's a miso tahini, and it's one mm. cup of tahini with two tablespoons of miso, uh, fresh cracked pepper, I put some agave in, I put soy sauce, lemon, a juice of one lemon, a little splash of rice wine vinegar, mix it up, and I dip every kind of vegetable in, and I'll oh, eat like a pound so of veggies. Good. It's so tasty. So also tahini, God. Oh, and I'll shred God up love fresh it. ginger. So that's, I'm eating that with everything and I'm, I'm ending up eating because it's a spring now. So I just want to eat a lot of fresh raw veggies, but you have to make it yeah. taste good. So that's a good sure. way to like, be like, okay, I want to eat like a bunch of carrots or bell pepper and some cucumbers. How can I make that good? That's great. I love that. That's a perfect horn. It's a seasonal, a seasonal horny for, if you will. Oh, Jamie, way to bring it back. Jamie, what are you horny for? 
today. Okay. Um, I am... Well, I'm definitely, I'm horny for the wedding coach, and <laughs> that was my horny for last week, but All that's month, just where I'm at. Yeah. All month long, horny for the wedding coach. Guys, I know it's my show and I'm biased, but like, it really is a great binge. It's a fast watch, and it's really like uplifting and fun and funny and like heartwarming. So I really stand by what I made, and it's available now on Netflix. Just to mix it up so I don't have the exact same horny for as I had last week, I'm also horny for silk hair ties. Oh, I don't know about those. They're great. Here, I'm holding one up now. I forget the brand. Why are they great? They feel good? Well, they feel great on your hair. And also, I like that they... They don't tangle I like out. That yeah, but I also like the way they look. I like that it's like a pop of silk in your hair. There's that something is pretty. kind of like fun and like, I don't know, a little formal about it, even though it's just a hair tie. That is great. So yeah, big fan. And you can buy them at Sephora. Like, you know how they have all that shit in the line? So you spend like even more money when you leave there. Totally. Um, they have they sell them in like a little like bubble. There's like three hair ties in a bubble. You can buy it at the front of Sephora. So, yeah. Hot tip. Love it. Love it. Love you guys. Love OK, you guys. another another great episode. Cool. Cool. Bye. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod. And follow my co-host Rose Cerno on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host Jamie at ReallyJamieLee on Instagram and at TheJamieLee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app if you're nasty. It helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You're nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Brett Boehm. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.